I'm Jeff Cook. And I'm TJ Wilson. And this is Around the Circle. I'm walking slowly. Enneagram is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships, creates language for what motivates us, and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado. With me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and lover of pop music. Although, not quite an expert, uh, self-confessedly. Uh, I'm not even sure that I could be called a lover of pop music. A, That's a liker of... 10% of the pop catalog. I like good pop music <laughs> and, and a handful of the bad things, but there's there's a lot. If it's pop, I'm going to resist it at first. This is as it should be. Yeah, yeah. I'm there's there's bandwagons that people jump on. I'm mm-hmm. always latest to to the music scene. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, I remember seeing Counting Crows on on the MTV in the 90s watching it going, yeah, that band sucks. And moving on. <laughs> we would have been fighting. Did the same thing with Beck and then but and and like now I have just huge catalog of counting crows and my second child is named Beck. <laughs> so <laughs> Yep. Yep. Makes sense. How's it going? Uh it's good, I think. This week's been nuts, man. This was a nuts week. Both uh Everyone in our house is slightly more snippy and less patient with one another. And it's one of those, oh, okay, we're all exhausted. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> sort of sort of science. Everyone's exhausted. School started. The like everyone's back in school, except for you, of course. Yes. And uh <laughs> the like the the college students are back in town, so our town is a little bit more sort of on edge. It is. It's nuts. More energy, more trash in the street. More cars on the road. More fireworks at night. Yeah. More beer pong in the out in front of uh, houses. <laughs> yes, lots of that. All the all the things that you love. <laughs> and they are playing great music while while doing so. Mm, that's generous. Which brings us to our topic: these kids these days and their music. <laughs> I need to add that to my vocabulary right there. These kids these days. <laughs> well, we are doing uh, our series on our relationship with ourselves and uh, looking at each of the types through the eyes of musicians who are singing from the point of view of that number. Um, Twos, threes, fours. I started noticing this like almost immediately when uh, editing because twos, threes, and fours get so much of their energy and self-understanding from the views of other people you mm-hmm. don't see as much of the stuff that I was kind of hoping for. So one of right. our listeners says, like actually wrote me and said, what the hell, you know, <laughs> aren't, aren't you doing the relationship with ourselves? I was like, well, we are, but there, uh, it's really hard with the, the heart triad. Yeah. They're not writing about themselves as much as they are writing about how other people think about them. Yeah. yeah. We're going to see a shift as we jump into the the head triad here with fives and sixes. That is correct. <laughs> a little bit more introspection on these ones, but I'll try and keep that that uh, what that topic, that focus in mind 
And as teased last time, actually, before we jump into this, we have all sorts of stuff going on in this fall. Do you know this? That's true. Yeah. School started and changes. And we're starting too, I guess. We finally have our plan. For those of you who join us on Zoom occasionally, once a month, uh, we have our plan for the fall. So if you want to uh, connect with us via Zoom, we meet once a month. Just go to aroundthecircle.org, click on events, and you will see the link to all that we're doing. It's very special. I don't actually want to spoil it on our podcast, like, but if you're interested in not only what we're doing on Zoom, but actually what TJ and I are going to be working on for the next couple of years, it's going to be associated with what we do on Zoom. And it's also associated with the February conference we have coming up. Did you know that we throw an annual February conference here in Colorado? I don't store that information, but I know it's there <laughs> somewhere. Like I, like you regularly remind me, so that helps. Don't have access to the future. There is a nine. Yeah, I really don't. Later is a point in time. We're going to be doing our February conference. The dates and uh, links are also going to be at aroundthecircle.org. This year, we're going to be doing our steps. Some of the material that I'm most proud of that TJ and I have done over the last year or so has been to create seven steps for people just getting into Enneagram. Like, what do you do with this tool? Um, there's just a, it feels like there's just so many things coming at us from 28 different, you know, podcast books, et cetera, people's opinions, and, and it's just mush. Uh, where do you start? How do you move through this material? And so we spend a lot of time going through that, and our material that we're we're going to present in February is going to go down that path. So if you're in Colorado or want to travel to Colorado, um, all the dates are going to be at aroundthecircle.org. Again, just click on events. <sighs> Another thing, fun thing, and I'm actually really jazzed about this. We're TJ and I are going to transition some of the material that we are releasing on this podcast feed. We haven't been doing interviews since you know prior to COVID, really, with uh, with experts. And, right. and people in the Enneagram world. For you and I, we've, we've talked extensively about this off mic, but we have covered a lot of the topics that we care about most. Mm -hmm. And we're not necessarily interested in interviewing just people who are type two or type eight. Um, that right. can... We don't care what other people have to say. <laughs> this isn't about them. <laughs> There's lots of great podcasts, podcasts I really love that, that do that kind of format. Um, but I'm really interested in, and I imagine TJ is as well, in the theory side and in, in the how are people who are really using Enneagram, you know, what's on their radar? What are they excited about? Um, mm -hmm. what, what are ideas that they're processing? So we are going to be interviewing as many people as we can find, probably one uh, expert a month, and uh, we are going to start a YouTube presence as well. So we'll release those audios here. But we're also going to start releasing our interviews on uh, on a YouTube channel, and we'll let you know more about that as it emerges. Yeah, I'm gonna have to start getting dressed for these. <laughs> <laughs> see, I'm kidding. I wear clothes. You all see what I have to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, okay, by by nearly double. Occasionally, you and I do the pop culture deep dives. Occasionally, we jump into movies that we enjoy. Mm -hmm. You will not be surprised that I get lots of messages saying, hey, you should do this. Hey, you should do this. Hey, yep. you should do this. Yeah, it's true. I the, get a lot of that, too. There is one property that 
is not only mentioned all the time, it's probably mentioned double everything else that's ever mentioned. Mm. And lo and behold, TJ and I both love this property, and so we're going to jump into it this fall. Yep. We're going to tackle the Ted Lasso. And Believe. If you are interested in sending us your list prior, I would love to see people's lists. You can reach us on the Instagram. It's around, just find Around the Circle uh, podcast on Instagram. Send me your list. I would love, love, love to see people's thoughts on this. Um, and uh, that will just help things get moving. And I might even send you some questions um, as I'm making up my own stuff. So um, TJ frequently avoids the Instagram. It's true. Like I said, I don't care what uh, about what other people have to say. Or apparently how they look. <laughs> nope. Don't care. What their food looks like. Oh, I definitely don't care about that. How their vacation is going. Nah, nope. <laughs> just... nope. Those are all things that I just don't care about. Instagram is not for you. And even the like other people's typings, it's really just a like sort of a proof text to help me know whether I, I'm I feel correctly about something or not. Right. Yeah. It's not because I need to know what other people think. It's because it just helps me decide that I'm right or not. Actually, what TJ does is he reads your list and then he laughs at you. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say that out loud. It is true, though. And also, hey, since we're once we're here uh, at the beginning, uh, hey, go give us some stars while you're listening to this podcast. And now we're going to get into the fives. We have already done a ton of work on the fives. Oh, yeah, that's true. We talked about them a bunch. You reminded me of this twofold. One, we we have done our complimentary series with the great Kelly Cook, which was on love songs, which you guys can find if you want to get into songs about heartbreak and about um, expressing your love to others through, through music. I just love the hell out of that uh, series. Yeah. But then we also went through Lin-Manuel Miranda's Hamilton when we did our fives villains and we earmarked one Aaron Burr as a five right very popular song at the time uh wait for it great song off the Hamilton soundtrack really exposes some of the heart and beats and uh priorities of fiveness there in terms of possession and in terms of action repression and in terms of just looking the observational qualities lots going on there and that's mm -hmm. what we're going to see across the board as we get into these fives. Yeah. And if uh, Wait For It doesn't sell you, then I suggest you also listen to The Room Where It Happens because that's a fantastically five-motivated desire. Well, when we did Love Songs, we tackled The Police and we tackled Sting as yeah. an Enneagram Five. Every breath you take... We talked about this occasionally. There is something about being 18, 19 and having like your Enneagram type is just all forward. The ego is most prominent around that age. That's it. Yeah. Every breath you take, every move you make, I'll be watching you. Yep. There's the observational quality and then it turns to the chorus. Can't you see you belong to me? And there's the possessions. Yep. And those priorities of the, of the five ego as was said, just dominant in that song. Yeah, it's so sweet. And so you really think about the lyrics, and it's like, oh, this guy is talking about a possession. That's him when he's young. Mm -hmm. Sting's lyrics mature over yeah. time. And there's lots yep. to be said, especially if you type him as a five early, 
what does it look like for the mature five to sing later on? And that's where we're going to go today. So great. I'm going to jump into King of Pain. King of Pain is still a police song. Interesting stuff going on here. Um, You're going to see lots of observation again. You're going to see something that we need to talk about with fives. I was expecting this with fours, and it wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, I was listening to the five music, and it's all over five music. And it's the person who is thinking about their emotions. Because fours are feeling about their emotions. And then fives move into that headspace, and they process their emotions through their thought center. You'll note this, that, yeah, the primary center for the four, taking the world in through their heart, but their secondary center is their head, so they're feeling the things that they're thinking about. And it's opposite for the fives who are thinking about their feelings. Right. Makes it very interesting for fives in that, like, a lot of fives come across as though they're not feeling. Right. But this is not the case. Right. Oh, yeah. Because they they are highly in touch. They're often highly in touch with their feelings, but they're not feeling them. They're observing them. Yes. So they're aware of them. They're they're processing through, but it's not like feeling it in the same way that a lot of other people do, and especially not the way the fours do. We've mentioned, to jump off of music for a second, we've mentioned Spock in the past as a, as a great archetype for an Enneagram 5. Yeah. The recent Star Trek is amazing. I don't know if you've gotten to see uh, Strange New Worlds yet. Not yet. Phenomenal. Sure. Straight phenomenal. Uh, it's Star Trek with a budget. <laughs> yeah. You're like, yeah. what is this? This is quality. Yeah, I've heard great things. Lots of Spock's character is exactly what you were describing. Observing, mm-hmm. observing the emotions. The emotions are very much there, but they are objects to be dissected, thought through, etc. Yep. And we'll see that with this song here. There's a little black spot on the sun today. It's the same old thing as yesterday. There's a black hat caught in a high tree top. There's a flagpole. Well, I I think that like a really interesting part of how fives show us what they're thinking is like they, there's a setting of a scene. Yep. There's there's a description of the place in which I have the feelings. Like it, they 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 want to make sure you have a full picture of what's going on. That was my take as well. The observational quality is going to be all over the songs that we look at in terms of the details yep. out there. And then the turn will happen where it becomes about what I'm thinking about all the things. Mm-hmm. And that's how that works here. Yep. I have stood here before in the pouring rain, you know, with the world running around my brain, I guess I'm always hoping. And, and, and there's also a, a new theme we're going to see, and it's going to be about how fives wrestle with meaning all over mm-hmm. these songs. It's his destiny to be the king of pain is a very, 
It's kind of a hopeless attitude. There, there's a fatalism to it. And we're going to see that kind of quality. How are you wrestling with future you can't control and that is tinged with the fear that fives feel? And it right. comes across in, in that way. Yeah, the, the right. hopelessness there. N- hopeless, I think, is the wrong word for a lot of fives because it's an acceptance of my place. There's not a judgment about whether it's good or bad. It's just this is the reality that we're in. And so, like, you could read this in the sense of, like, it's not him saying that, like, woe is me, I'm the king of pain. It's it's an acknowledgement Okay, this is like this is where I am, I guess. Yep. I want to jump to one of the f- latter verses. One of the things about fives is that they use past tools to meet their future anxieties. We've talked about the fiveness of, of, like the Buddha comes across as a five in, in mm-hmm. seeing a dead man, a poor man, a sick man, and a lot of the Buddha's philosophy comes out of this, this experience that he has when he's young. Similar language here. And yeah. the first verse, king on a throne with his eyes torn out, is a very famous story from the Old Testament that when, the, when Jerusalem is destroyed, the king has his sons brought before him and then they are slaughtered and his eyes are poked out so that the very last thing that he sees is his son's death and then he's carted away into slavery. I bring that up in that in Sting, a lot of Sting's lyrics and songs that we're going to look at use a lot of Im- imagery from from the Jewish scriptures and mm-hmm. especially images of Solomon and David and images uh, of being in this holy city and yet the meaninglessness is still is kind of wrapped up in that and and yeah. the uh things may not go well in the future and here he's pulling from these stories in the past and outlining i'm afraid of death i'm afraid of poverty um i'm a, i'm afraid that you know all of this is kind of is meaningless mhm well and, and even like drawing from that that past to inform the present and like he the references that he makes like this song is a great example of like there's there's he he's continually making references to other things it's like a like metaphors and similes but it's like it's a new one over and over again it's and and like drawing from very from diverse backgrounds like uh, different places all over and trying to sort of collect them into one it's like it's like a collection of metaphors transitioning to a song that he wrote later it, it, in my experience this isn't really a popular song but it's my favorite of sting's catalog i'm going to jump forward to to mad about you mm-hmm. i had referenced this before it's kind of written from the position of the writer of ecclesiastes or some like ancient king yeah. wrestling with meaning in life and just a gorgeous chart really worth listening to Shining, my heart was lost on a distant planet that 
same thing. Here's all these details. And then the turn is inward and this is how I feel about it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Second verse. Again, images of there was once life here. It was like this was an ocean, mm-hmm. and now it's just this desert. That's where we live. An acknowledgement of like he, he he couches a lot of his language in sort of like evergreen ancientness. Yes, like like when when he sings about city streets, he could be singing about like. New York right now or Boston in the 1800s or London in the 1500s or Jerusalem in the the early part of the first millennia or like you know like there there's a an ancient and a broadness to the the language that he uses so that he he sort of like draws your mind into the past immediately past tools giving him some grounding in the present that is what Englishman in New York is kind of about. I cut it uh, a second ago, but that that image of I am from this ancient world and now I'm in this different mm-hmm. culture, and he yeah. outlines all the things that give him grounding, but they're they 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 have like this tinge of history to them, yeah. and that's where he's finding his his identity. Yeah, and and not only do I use my past to sort of help me make sense of now, but more importantly, I use my past to help me figure out my future path. To Love this ending. You see a city in the desert lies The vanity of an ancient king city lies in broken pieces Where the wind howls and the vultures sing These are the works of man This is the sum of our ambition real quick on the chorus feels like there's a strong double meaning here of both Mm -hmm. deep affection i'm mad about you and deep um anger that it can be translated and that posture towards God with this whole songs about God, the ends up being a fantastic double meaning of, of, of the wrestling with God in, Mm -hmm. in the Hebrew scriptures and beyond. Yeah. And I also think like saying I'm mad about you is the, the complexity, the nuance involved in, in just the, the words mad about you it's like it encompasses anger it encompasses a a deep desire it encompasses a sort of like like you make me a little bit crazy it's like like there's there's so much going on in that kind of language and and the fiveness of being able to like put this thing out here and choose the right words so that everyone gets a little taste you know like there's a the complexity of choosing these words like he he clearly wants to communicate more than just one simple idea there's there's a vastness to how he's trying to communicate yeah 
that I think is really important. Again, the, th- the theme of Ecclesiastes all over this, it moves to the bridge. way he says love at the end here has always i've listened to the song a thousand times it always sounds like you love and you mm-hmm. and i think it's the same thing in this you yeah. know that uh, oftentimes bono does this all the time when singing about god he uses the word love mm-hmm. and i think that's the move here sure and then the the song ends with you hold the keys to that image though all my kingdoms turn to sand that's just a gorgeous line for me uh, one of mm-hmm. the really attractive phrases from the songs that we're looking at and again communicates that like this is someone who is sort of outside of the full participation in the things that he's talking about he's observing them <sighs> love the search for meaning here love that and we're going to see this when we get to bruce springsteen in a minute love the idea that i'm i'm i have to find some meaning beyond what i see the only real options i have are something that looks like god but it's so difficult for me to emotionally mentally engage that and so i live mm-hmm. in that tension yeah and that explains a lot of 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 our you know most people's experiences of the divine and yeah. really comes out in the language here of the fives. Yeah. And and speaking of of Sting specifically, like the the in involvement, interest, the investment in sort of like a a more encompassing spirituality. Yeah. He seems like the type of person that is looking for the truth wherever he can find it and will incorporate the truth into his worldview and if there are parts of what he's looking at that that don't fit then he's not talking about that part but that he won't separate out like the whole thing doesn't get thrown away just because the part doesn't work here's past tools i've always read his stuff when he talks about god is coming from an english anglican 15 year old who was kind of forced mm-hmm. to, to hear the stories, go to go through sure. the rhythms. And some of it took anchor in our, our, I mean, the literature of the scriptures, obviously, is unparalleled in some places. And mm-hmm. and that will hook, even if you say, you look, this, this religious face isn't for me. Like, there's still lots there. Right. You want to talk about Bob Dylan? I want to talk about Bob Dylan a lot. <laughs> Are we skipping the other? No, I'll come back around if it works, but it seemed like okay. a very strange transition. <laughs> so, I think it's a hilarious transition. Do you want but to... yes, we can. We can come back around to it. Your call. Just to keep the themes the same, 
I, I, I see a lot of that search for me meaning in Bob Dylan as well. Yeah. Dylan's going to insert something you see kind of in Sting, but it really comes into prominence with Sting, with Springsteen, and we're also going to talk about Jay-Z in a minute, and it's yeah. the lack of possessions, and it's yeah. things being taken from you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just jumping into All Along the Watchtower just as a one of many examples... Yeah, I feel like you could throw a dart at <laughs> Bob Dylan's catalog and find something that represents fiveness. There must be some way out of here. Say the joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. I can't get no relief. Businessmen, they drink my wine. It's a five in stress, in fact. Yeah. Because there's no way out of here. Yeah. Has to even get talked down. No reason to get excited. The thief he kindly spoke. There are many here among us who feel that life is but a joke. But you and I, we've been through that. And this is not our fate. So let us not talk falsely now. The hour is getting late. Hey, TJ. Yeah. There's many who feel like life's but a joke. Right. Again, the theme of meaninglessness there. And mm-hmm. this guy, I, I've, I haven't really thought through this. This guy is in such bad predicament. His companion is a thief. And that's the yeah. thing he's like complaining about. Like, this. I think that there's there's something interesting about how he's describing this scenario. Like he he jumps into the middle of the story a little bit in order to describe sort of like where they're at. So like in contrast to Sting, sort of setting the stage at at our first conversation. Here again, here is another example of like a five way that's sort of opposite of setting the stage Mm -hmm. where it's just like he puts you in the middle because he's not talking about the story. He's talking about the sense of what this person is going through right at this moment. Yeah. And he wants to dive into that one thing and he doesn't have to set the whole stage for that. He's he's going to really hammer in this one position of course, it's all along the watchtower because there's something to be protected here that is kind of the heart behind the song. Right. Um, I want I want to do like a Rolling Stone next. Great. The thing about this, I've I heard one commentator on this talking about how it's you know it's it's a breakup song. It's like a, a very aggressive tune towards a a former lover. And we've talked about this. All the types can weaponize the opposite of the heart's message towards others. Mm -hmm. The heart's message for fives is that your needs are not a problem. And as Dylan is singing, the thing that I consistently see through all these lyrics is he's telling this person that all of her needs are a problem. And it just, it's, this is a very, what would you, would, um, you know, it's a stream of mental consciousness kind of writing. Um, right. 
but there's still some substance there. It's not just all mishmash. Right. Once upon a time, you dressed so fine. Do the bumps of dime in your prime. Then you. People call, say, beware, doll. You're bound to fall. You thought they were all. weaponized uh pointing out of lack you know mm-hmm. no no empathy here not even necessarily i like it is weaponized but also like the projection of my own fear like there there's so much in this to me that like this he he's doing a really good job of saying how does it feel to be experiencing all of the things that I'm actually the one afraid of. Mm, yep. Yeah. And notice even how does it feel is asking for information. Mm-hmm. To, it's I want to know about your feelings, which is what right. we said is that's the center. That's where fives make their homes in terms of observing right. their own emotions. Loss and desperation is something that we're mm-hmm. going to see all over Springsteen. And sure. the the image that something's been, ta- like this person was raised with some, some measure of wealth or some me- measure of privilege, and now it's gone. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. movement from a high place to a place of desperation, that's different than just, right. you know, always knowing poverty. Right. And clearly, like, you're in this place of desperation because you screwed something up. You were not diligent enough to, like, he's not saying that, but it's 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 part of the message that, like, you were in this position because you did not handle your resources appropriately. Right. The desperation leads to her trying to purchase something that's going to get her out of this. Um
woman without. Yeah. What does she have to sell? At the end, she's pawning, apparently, a, her her ring to get out of this. And it's just all, what? She's Napoleon in rags by the end. Very different way of thinking about desperation is his song, Sheltered from the Storm. Mm-hmm. Which has almost the opposite <laughs> kind of picture. This one's going to be about provision. This is going to be about finding some sense of security through somebody else. Again, uh, Heart's message, your needs are not a problem. That's all over this song. Sure. Of somebody yeah. speaking that over him. Yeah. Fives are sort of taught as like the introverts of the Enneagram. But realistically, fives do a lot of outsourcing some of those needs. Like you find a lot of fives in relationship with someone who does everything to take care of them because they are not focused on the things that they need to, to do to take care of themselves. Yep, They're focused on the the thing that they're studying in that moment and then they forget to eat. They forget to shower. They forget to do laundry because like those things are unimportant. They are the things that are important are what they're they're focused on and and so finding themselves with someone who takes care of that stuff is like oh great i'm free now to just look at the things that i want to look at and someone else will take care of all the other stuff that i don't want to think about i don't know if this is another divine image but if if you read again if you read ecclesiastes the image of wisdom is as a lovely woman walking the streets mm-hmm. is heavy in that book and there yeah. there's something magical about this person that he's singing about that almost has that kind of quality. Yeah. Um, you could pick any verse. They all in the same way come in. She said, I'll give you shelter from the storm. Uh, one in the middle, I was burned from exhaustion, buried in the hall, poisoned in the bushes and blown out on the trail, hunted like a crocodile ravaged in the corn. Come in. She said, I'll give you shelter from the storm observation of terrible situations the feelings of desperation the feeling what do i do and suddenly there's like there's hope yeah in these in that course and again all all collections of different like really relatable metaphors yeah this is one thing that like i've been trying to figure out the right way to to bring up tim burton because i want to mention tim burton in <laughs> within fives because a, I love Tim Burton, and B, like there, there's something about uh, Tim Burton and and Bob Dylan are almost like the same person to me. I think I made this joke recently that right. like I've never seen them in the same room, so <laughs> they could be the same person. Um, but but the way that Tim Burton is able to sort of capture and showcase pieces of the human condition in this incredibly artistic way. Like Tim Burton is regarded as a five and he is showing, uh, he, he is, has a really unique and particular style. So a lot of people think he's a four, but, but he is observing and then showing us the human condition. And Bob Dylan in the same way is over and over and over again. He writes these incredibly vast songs that are showcasing the human condition. Right. There's pieces of his music that are relatable to everyone. Right. And and this I again, I was 
burned out from exhaustion. We all know what that feels like. Buried in the hail. We know what that feels like. Poisoned in the bushes and blown out on the trail. Like this is stuff that we can relate to. I've never been hunted like a crocodile, but like the metaphor that he's making, I get, you know? And this is about like someone offering him shelter from the things that he's afraid of, but it's also a very relatable portrait of finding people who help us feel like we're not being hunted anymore. Lack of security is all over this. Yeah. Something. And that in for five, sixes and sevens, that's a primary need is to feel secure. Mm-hmm. Secure in the sense of safety. Right. I think if we were to look through the catalog of artists who are male threes, male fives, male sixes, and male ones. You might see some mistyping between them and eights. Mm. I think these types, threes, five, sixes, and ones, all think that masculinity uh, can often think that masculinity looks like being looking like an eight. Yeah. And especially, and we saw this with Eminem, Eminem's move into security looks very six ish. And with this next artist, they are, they're writing from a place where I think they're, they're reaching for the eight. Sure. Out of their five. Sure. If you having girl problems, I feel bad for you, son. I got 99 problems, but chain one. I got the rat patrol on the cat patrol. Foes that want to make sure my cast is closed. I, I think 99 problems may have the best opening bar of any song in the last <laughs> 25 years. It's like, it is composed so well by the great Rick Rubin. Ah, oh, this thing just hits. Yeah. I may bleep out some, some words here, so uh, just just so it's known. And we'll probably cut some of the verses. But smart. there is one verse that I particularly want to bring attention to. This will be um, a black man see, uh, singing about being pulled over uh, by law enforcement. This is, this is a story that is commonly told now. This may be one of those times where, you know, uh, what, an early version of this story and bringing attention to how a young black male feels in a situation where they don't have a lot of power. And it's clear that the person, the, you know, what they, what he puts into the mouth of the police officer shows that the police officer is not a very good person. Right. So assuming like there's all sorts of fantastic cops, fantastic cops out there. I assume there, there may be a few people who are in law enforcement who are not good people. Yes. And so for the sake of this commentary, this is, uh, I suppose, TJ, I'm sure, would want all of us to know that. We're not speaking about all law enforcement. Oh, man, I'm <laughs> so tense right now. Like, I like my stomach just started hurting because I realized what you were about to say and I was like, oh, God, no. Oh, God, no. If you were to look <laughs> at the first verse of 99 Problems, it's all about his possessions. The second verse is very much about how he's smarter than the person in front of him. And it also is about possessions. You know what you do when you're stressed out as a five? You might run. Might. You just might run away. Yeah. 
trying to see no highway chase with Jake. Plus, I got a few dollars, I can fight the case. So I pull over to the side of the road. I heard, son, do you know why I'm stopping you for? Cause I'm young and I'm black and my hat's real low. Do I look like a mind reader, sir? I don't know. Am I under arrest or should I get some more? Worth noting right here that oftentimes fives see the rest of the world as idiots. Mm-hmm. And this is just all over this language. Sure. Yeah. How uncomfortable are you on the? On the oh, I'm fine now. <laughs> now that we're not talking about the sort of like upper level whether or not cops are good conversation. <laughs> Step away from that. I'm good. Well, you was doing 55 and the 54. Uh-huh. Hey, TJ. Yeah. Have you ever seen a, a 54 mile an hour zone? I have not. I, I haven't either. This this seems fairly unique. Yeah. I've seen some weird ones, but <laughs> not 54. And then the personality of, of the police officer is clearly elevated as this person is not in the same league as the songwriter, and but they have significant power. Right. This is setting the stage for everything to come. I ain't stepping out of shit, all my paper's legit. Well, do you mind if I look around the car a little bit? This is where the move isn't towards physical power or strength. The move for Jay-Z is going to be, I'm smarter than you. Mm-hmm. And this is how he's going to defend himself. Yeah. Well, my glove compartment is locked, so it's the trunk in the back. And I know my rights, so you're going to need a warrant for that. <laughs> Aren't you sharp to attack? You're some type of law or something, somebody important or something. I ain't passed the ball, but I know a little bit enough that you want to legally search my sh- There is a move of I understand how the world works and a security that's grabbed hold of through what he knows mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, yeah. in a very troubling situation. Yeah, his power is in information. Yes. Yeah. And again, he's even putting it into the mouth of the officer. There's a detailed understanding of his own ledger here as well. This is locked. I know where my assets are. I know the the things that can protect me in this situation, even though I can't avoid them because of how the world works. Even more than just the presentation of like him being knowledgeable about the cop, that what what the cop is allowed to do. There's also like like a very clear observation here that like the 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 weapons that i have in this fight is knowledge but the weapons that he has are weapons yeah and and yeah the like him collecting he doesn't like he's he's sort of trying to to showcase that like it doesn't matter if you know everything but it's also like this is the thing that's really important to him like he, he he didn't do the things that will prevent him from getting into an altercation with this cop he did he showcased the thing that he thinks is important which is knowing all of the all of the information yep if jay-z were an 8 the information is not the thing that's going to get him out of this situation, Correct. and he wouldn't use it. It just wouldn't matter. And 
an eight would acknowledge that like this doesn't matter. I'm going to do the thing that's going to work. I'm not going to waste my time with the information regardless of if it's right or not because it won't work. Also, after the fact, the ace probably going to have a lot more anger towards the situation. Yeah. You just don't see yeah. a lot of anger here. This is right. this is I'm able to deconstruct somebody who just isn't as intelligent as I am. Right. Notice how what he lacks value in standing because of that. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you listen to Ice Cube, if you listen to NWA, I mean they like you will know of their most popular chart about the police and it's just a wall of anger. Yep. So, yeah. I like this in terms of this posture. Also, uh like Jay-Z is has been wildly successful as a business person. Yeah. Not that other types can't be wildly successful, but his attraction to how money works, how the systems work, be, positioning himself to to leverage the assets he has to, you know, has been has been really impressive. I also think that uh an 8 would have to be just so freaking healthy. Yeah. To be able to stand next to someone like Beyonce. <laughs> <laughs> Beyonce has all the control because she's Beyonce and she could command her legions to destroy him if she wanted to. <laughs> to that would be two aggressive numbers. And our love typing, uh, we had Beyonce as a three, so a three eight combination. Yeah. That would have some energy. Uh, yeah. stance wise. Yeah, that couple does, but but I think someone who was very concerned about control yeah. would have to be remarkably healthy yeah. to stand next to someone like Beyonce. Truth. All right, so I have two fantastic uh, karaoke stories. One is at the Funplex, which I mentioned last time, and uh, Kelly Cook was with me at this point in time, and so was my ska band. We got up to sing Gloria Gaynor's I Will Survive, and everyone bailed Kelly because we didn't know the song very well, and we began performing (laughs) our silly-ass ska dances behind her as she (laughs) worked through this song, and I believe she punched every single one of us afterwards. Sure. And also, how did you not know I will survive? I mean, I've, I mean, you know it, but you don't know it. No. I mean, I, I thought I was alone. I was terrified. What's the first opening line? At first, I was afraid. There it is. Come on. See, I didn't know the song. Case in point. <laughs> the second deeply troubling uh, karaoke experience, I picked the only song that I kind of knew off the list, which was I knew the chorus of Born in the USA. Yeah, everyone knows the chorus of Born in the U.S. Began singing the song, and I didn't realize this song is about Vietnam. (laughs) I was immediately aware that I had never paid attention to these verses before. That's fair. This is such a gorgeous song that in the popular imagination, you know, it's like a Reagan uh, anthem for re-election at one point. And this is not what this song is about. (laughs) Nope. Nope. It is about lack and desperation.
Springsteen's wrestling through desperation is, I mean, I ha, I don't know that I have had the experience of looking at someone and saying that's an American prophet. This is like that's the quality here of speaking about the human condition to the culture with language that just cuts and exposes the problem and yet eventually rises into a very deeply religious felt sense of of identity and quality and uh, profound if you get into Springsteen. Anyway, mm-hmm. what are your thoughts here? Yeah. And there's a there there's a highly, highly observational quality yeah. about this person's experience. I'm I'm assuming that not all of this is about him, but like from a, from the narrator's perspective in this tune, like he he is very clearly trying to to show you his experience without like going into too much detail and like trying to make you understand where he's at and what he's thinking about the way the places that he finds himself but he's also not like showing you how he he's not telling you how he feels in a way that he wants you to understand how he feels. He's trying to describe the experience. Yeah. That's a great way to put that. And that experience rolls through the third and fourth verse where he talks about this person who comes back from war and doesn't really have any options. The VA isn't helping them him to find a job after this experience of going overseas to kill people. Um, has relationships, has a brother uh, at Quezon. And there ends up being the story of his brother who clearly dies, and he is mourning that fact as well. All of this is surrounded by lack, by loss, yeah. as it moves to the end. Yeah. And, like, like, you know what he's describing when you, when he talks about the hiring man says if it was up to me like that that isn't even a full statement yeah but you know what he says and you understand what he's trying to communicate that he feels but he's not talking about his feelings he's describing the scenario in a way that helps you understand his feelings and that's like all through this, that's over and over again. He's not talking about his feelings. He's describing the situation in which he feels and letting the audience, the hearer, interpret those feelings. And that's that's a great way to think about fives describing things. Like they don't want to tell you how to feel about stuff. They want to give you the information and let you figure out how to feel about it. Last line has kind of a double meaning. don't think he's in jail but the image of the jail that's that he lives near and perhaps he's working beside or even working within it's just a metaphor for this life that he has been Mm -hmm. born into yeah stress desperation lack all sung with a very powerful song i mean it's a rock song right it feels like an upbeat song 
It could be a campaign yeah. song. It feels like the type of thing that someone would use as a campaign song. <laughs> and yet it is not that lyrically. Mm-hmm. And again, like Springsteen is not out here trying to remind everyone what this song is actually about. Mm. He's leaving it up to us to interpret what it's about. Yeah. He's just going to give us the information. If we screw it up on the other side, that's on us. I wonder if there's any writing from a seven space here in terms of bum, 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 ba, dum, dum, or sure. even like, like here, it's just so happy, isn't it? And, but I'm going right. to tell you something underneath yeah. that. Well, and I, there again, I think it's, it's, that's part of the line to seven, but I also think it's part of what, Springsteen is what people who write like this are good at. It's like he is not telling us how to feel. He's showing us what the human condition is like and part of our experience as in in our lives is like we live in the greatest country in the world and also we're not that great at education we're not that like we're falling apart politically we're we enter into wars that we shouldn't be a part of and uh like when our veterans come home they're not well taken care of and also we're the greatest country in the world and if you don't say that we're the greatest country in the world, then you're obviously not a patriot. And right. like, like he he's trying to hold the truth in front of us. And part of that is that we celebrate this country in a big way. Yeah. And so this is a celebratory anthem. Worth. We're seeing Tom Cruise's Born on the Fourth of July, which I'm sure was released just a couple years after this. Uh, sure. Real similar theme on that. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. Cruise's journey is essentially right. like America love it, lover or lever kind of person and then right. undergoes his own Vietnam story. And it's powerful. Yeah. I want to mention two verses, one from Streets of Philadelphia and one from Atlantic City, both our masterpieces <laughs> both are just like streets of philadelphia just paired with the movie it may, it's like one of the most melancholy songs i could name you know sure. um and it's not uh it's a, it's, just, it's harsh i was bruised and battered i couldn't tell what i felt i was unrecognizable to myself saw my reflection in a window and didn't no my own face, oh brother, gonna leave me wasting away in the streets of Philadelphia. Bringing up just again the verbalization of details. Notice he's even observing something. He's yeah. observing the window. Yep. In the window is He's not seeing himself, he's he's looking at a reflection yeah. of himself. Yeah. And it tells him how he feels inside. And he places it on the image of the streets of Philadelphia just has kind of a I've, I've never been to Philadelphia myself, but I, I suppose when it's sung like this, I'm like, this must be a city in a lonely place in this city and, you know, and mm-hmm. all that that entails. Well, he's also like, I don't I don't think we've said this out loud yet within this conversation about fives, but fives are the most likely type to be sarcastic yeah fives and me's um because i'm 
<laughs> an incredibly sarcastic person, but the the um, the way that he sort of holds those tensions, like Born in the USA being a a rock anthem about how veterans are mistreated, right. is is a a perfect example of like the sarcasm that fives are capable of, right. and. He was bruised and battered, couldn't tell what he felt. He was unrecognizable to himself in the city of brotherly love. There it is. I miss that. That's good. Yeah. Oh, brother, are you going to leave me wasting away on the streets mm-hmm. of Philo, Delphia? Yep. And if you're looking for a, a touch of the past here, I mean, this is the, the story of the Good Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah. Right. There you go. Yeah. Atlantic City has a different kind of quality. This person is with another person, but they're still desperate. I'm just jump to the second verse. Well, I got a job and tried to put my money away, but I got debts that no honest man can pay. So I drew what I had from the Central Trust and I bought us two tickets on that close city Assets that are thin, and we're running away from this situation. Yeah, yeah. the sevenness of this, str- uh, like that, this man in stress. Yep, and that's what I see. Atlantic City is a place to gamble and just brisk it all. Yeah, I don't know if that's part of. I assume that's part of the story. Is like this is all his savings that were at the Central Trust. That also sounds like a very cold uncaring space yeah but it's part of the system, the financial system gonna go put it all on red eight and <laughs> or black eight i don't know how roulette works it's one of those colors whatever color eight is yeah it's red or black i don't know how it works either i got real emotional this last week listening to city of ruins because he had written this song about his, his, i believe it was his hometown in new jersey and released this album, you know, right there. I, th- I believe it was the summer of 2001. And when 9-11 happened, there was like, it was an event. Like you had all these people. We talked about it with Paul Simon singing Bridge Over Troubled Water. But it was like mm-hmm. on every single television station had one feed. And it was like the greatest artists, <laughs> you know, in the country singing songs that were, and they were raising money for first responders and he I'll, I'll put the audio in the in the podcast but he sang this song down and it was so powerful I'd, it's just crushingly beautiful uh, if you get a chance to listen to the whole thing there's a blood red circle on the cold dark ground and the rain is falling down Church doors thrown open I can hear the organ song The congregation's gone My city of ruin My 
Something enters his lyric writing here, at least in terms of what we've seen, and it's and it's hope. Mm-hmm. And even like, like getting to the place of hope by describing the place of desperation, right? Like the the he doesn't start in a like really positive way. He he's he's drawing us in to feel something and then inviting us to move to feel something else. My soul is lost, my friend. Tell me how I begin again. My city's in ruin. My city's in ruin. And he, the bridge ends up taking on a very different quality because it's, it is offering something Sting doesn't get to in his meditations on God, but there's a, there's a faithful posture that enters here of, mm-hmm. of petition. Yeah. With these hands, with these hands. I pray, Lord, with these hands, strength, faith. And there's like just this invitation to save the city. And again, it's, it's, it's spoken over this small town in New Jersey. But when it's the case that, you know, in essence, a bomb goes off in New York and it's just that was our story there. And mm-hmm. you, the, the image of uh, young men on the corner like scattered leaves, like, I don't know that it's a totally different image, but the amount of debris that was still, you know, in the air at that time and all the imagery mm-hmm. around that just, it, it, I suppose in my imagination, yeah. this, this, this song and just cut. Yeah. There's, there's a, like that line in particular is, is a really interesting, like after a certain point, you kind of ignore the scattered leaves. Yeah. And in a space where he's talking about a ruined city in New Jersey, like at a certain point, we sort of ignore the homeless right. population. And at a certain point, we sort of like got used to the scattered debris of of what happened in New York. And and there's like a, a call to remember, like to, to pay closer attention to what we're actually seeing and stop ignoring our surroundings. And also, like, that is part of what is going... In in the, like, five moving to eight in security position, it's a, it's a like, part of what fives can do is remind us all about the truth and then show us how to move hmm. and how to act, how to do something about what's real. Yep. 
it's a good place to land here. I want to land on the rising, and this is a very hopeful. Um, there's a there's a lot of faithful Catholicism in this song that ends up being much more communal. I think a lot of the the images of desperation, with the exception of Atlantic City, the person's alone, and just the hopefulness of the the language here is very. Um, it's very communal and it's very me and you together kind of imagery. Can't see nothing in front of me. Can't see nothing coming up behind. Make my way through this darkness. I can't feel nothing but this chain that blinds me. Lost track of how far I've gone. How far I've gone. Opposite for me of Dylan in terms of the message spoken by Springsteen here is your needs are not a problem. Even though you got like, there's all this, these things that are obstacles. There's like a, if it, the, the tone of the song and the chorus strike me as like, here's provision in a very difficult space. Mm-hmm. And, and I think a, a sort of five ishness, like, like, accepting the lack and figuring out how to live anyway. Like we bring up Scrooge a lot about when, when we talk about fives and like the fact that he uh, didn't light the gas lamps in his house because the darkness was cheap and he liked it. It's like that. This is someone who learned to live in lack. Right. And like that, part of his greed that became a problem as he got older but there there's still like with fives you can see how they learn to live with less mm-hmm. because they're they're worried about not having enough they're worried about their security and their resources and and about overspending what they've got that includes time that includes information that includes feelings that includes connection and like they they the learning how to live in lack he's describing lack and learning how to just be in it the faithful catholicism comes in the second verse second and third verse and the bridge but um he speaks of wearing the cross of his calling um he speaks of uh, he says, there are spirits above and behind me, faces gone black, eyes burning bright. May the, their precious blood bind me, Lord, as I stand before your fiery light. See you. The third verse ends up being powerful on this front. I see you lay in the garden, in the garden of a thousand sides. There's holy pictures of our children. Dancing in a sky filled with light May you feel your arms around me May you feel your blood mixed with mine The dream of life comes to me Like 
the the thing that so lucky me I've, I've spent quite a bit of time in the evangelical tradition the inability to talk about dark things is all over my tradition like we just mm-hmm. have no language for sorrow and if we do it's extreme it's mm-hmm. you know it's like the the whole tradition feels kind of sevenish on this front like if we actually go there it's going to just be <laughs> it's going to be right. very black all of a sudden as it were yeah. the kaleidoscopic nature here of and the bri- the outro bridge is also of this sort where it's like just describing the the glories of life and the tragedies of life in the same kind of language. Again, Ecclesiastes, there's a time for life, there's a time for death kind of mentality coming to the song. Mm-hmm. And there there's one uh, concluding line, and again, it's an Old Testament image of your burning wind fills my arms tonight. The, the pillar of fire kind of imagery of, of the presence of God. There's obviously lots of imagery of blood and the cross in this and all of it in the rising obviously there's there's a, a christian image of right. resurrection but all of it it's it's not saying that the dark things don't matter it does it's not even saying that the dark things are overcome it's almost saying it's it's kind of forish on this front of it's saying the dark things are part of the story that's beautiful mm-hmm. but it's observational in nature in terms of naming them right the 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 forishness is diving into the dark things and wanting to to be true to them yeah and the five-ishness is sort of saying like dark things are part of the picture and we can't escape that so here's the whole picture that's fives love it i don't know i don't know if you've ever heard this six song this has been one of my favorite songs for many years it's not very popular it is the is it is the most quintessential six song i could think of (laughs) And I think like a lot of the things that we're going to talk about end up playing out here. Do you, have you heard, had you heard Hero and Me by Jeffrey Gaines prior to me sending it? Prior to this, no, I had not. Well, aside from Stand By Me, which by the way, I think is the best R&B song ever written, maybe the best rock song ever written, and we covered it in depth in our deep dive into love songs. This song, just there's so much six in this song for me. Yeah. So I'll read it down. I, I would love your thoughts on this, especially as a fresh listener, because this was like this was like one of my go-to songs in college. It just I'm not a six, but for whatever reason, it really spoke to my heart. He's lived as long as he possibly can, given the circumstance, because he's protected himself from the world. He never gave it a chance And he said Here in my security I put a limit on my self-potential And my possibility In terms of the inner life of a six being exposed in the writer that just had there's so many buzzwords protected himself from the world uh never gave it a chance here in my security but one of the things that really stood out to me listening to this uh was that like there's an amount of projection in this and like sixes are it's so interesting the way that they 
see all so much of this kind of stuff in other people, but they don't see it in themselves. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like there, there's the ways that they sort of turn on themselves. The second you say, what if you heard someone else saying that? They'd be like, oh, yeah, no, that's unacceptable. People are not allowed to talk about themselves this way. But it's different because I'm actually this way. It's like, no, no, you're not. Yep. You're, you're, the way that you see yourself is in the same filter. Yep. And, and this whole song, to me, represents that kind of filter really well. Yep. We're going to look at R.E.M.'s Everybody Hurts in a second. And... That's exactly it. It's not yep. It's not just that in a song like that, the person sees the insecurity in the person in front of them, but assumes it and assumes the kind of language and posture that they would want. You yep. know, loving people the way you want to be loved. That's going to be yeah. even as part of the solution. Even while intentionally refusing to acknowledge that that's part of you. Yes. As well, that, that you deserve that that same kind of treatment entirely right yeah. she's seen these walls and they never change everything's in its place her relationships all neatly arranged down to religion and race and she says Unless my friends approve is just cutting, it seems to me, especially since he's brought up, you are categorizing your relationships according to the standards and prejudices of your circle of acquaintances and friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was uh, this was the one that I I sort of like it clicked when I was listening to it the first time, like it, it clicked in the place. It's like. Okay, we can skip over the part about the buzzwords because the thing that he's describing it with these two verses is someone who, like, each version is a different way of expressing someone who is playing by the rules yeah. because that's how they keep themselves safe. That's exactly it. Yeah. And he sees it in them. And I think very honestly, what would you call this? Self-awarely is going to call it out in himself and try and transcend it. Mm -hmm. And that's how the chorus functions. Right. And as I grow older, there's so much that I do not know. I'm drawn to those who are bolder and go where no one dare to go. I suppose that's a pre-chorus. I want to stop there for a second. The attachment to bolder people, mm -hmm. again, just... Front and center, yeah, but all, also almost like a like a the counterphobic version mm -hmm. of like instead of following all of your rules, I'm just gonna find someone else to follow who doesn't follow the rules. And it's like no, but n n now you're just living by their rules instead of these rules. Right. It might be a good way to go to stay away from the more phobic side of sixness but it can also be just swinging out in the other direction. I love that as a, uh, yeah, as a counterphobic move. I'm going to go where no one dared to go, you know? Right, <laughs> right. Yeah. We, we just needed some stability for a minute, but we're going to 
the hop stability and go into yeah. uh, I'm jumping on the Starship Enterprise apparently. Yep. Chorus. Yeah, this this seems like a good, like six ish self talk. Yeah, like almost like he's 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 gonna try faking it till he makes it. Like there's got to be a hero in me, because like the the place that sixes normally live is right. that the the thing inside of me is untrustworthy, <laughs> and so here's someone who had a dream of being in a much more healthy and secure space. And then came out of that dream is like, that's got to be there somewhere. In terms of relationship with myself, there it is. It's like self-talk yeah. is a great category for this. Mm-hmm. Like, how, how, what are you? What, what are you trying to communicate to your heart? Mm-hmm. We're going to see the image of dreams in, in the next two uh, artists as well. So um, I bring this up just as this is something on the head type side of sixes. There, there is thinking going on, yet thinking repressed. Dreaming is a great yep. way to talk about thinking repression at some level. Yep. He talks about, like, I dream of the person I might have been, and then I'll be free again. Right. Like, the, the grass is greener than anyone else's. I, 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 I say that until I believe it again. And, like, the, it's not duplicity, but the, if, if I just follow these rules, then, the, then I'll get the reward of those rules. Yep. That spot on always comes back to that self-talk of the last line. There's got to be some hero in me. There's got to be some hero in me. Mm -hmm. You got to get up. The third verse uh, has a cutting line that says something to the extent of. I've simply let myself go. I've developed a codependency. Which is also a great little (laughs) sex phrase. Yeah. But yeah. then, but that's not who he's going to be. It's like I see this in other people, but that's not who I'm going to be. I'm going to be braver than that because there's got to be some hero in me. Sure. Anyway, just love the hell out of this song. Yeah. When I asked you, TJ, what's a six song? The very it was immediate. <laughs> like it was just known. I I have the answer <laughs> right away. It's the end of the world. I don't even want to play it. I just want to read the lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> because when I read the lyrics, it comes across differently and the mental spinning out of proportion, freak it outedness is <laughs> if you want a, a good picture of how sixes think, like you, you have to read this really fast. Don't think about it. Just read it really fast. 
and you'll understand a little bit better about how sixes think. The interior mental life of a six. It's great. It starts with an earthquake, birds and snakes and airplanes, and Lenny Bruce is not afraid. I have a hurricane. Listen to yourself churn. World serves its own needs. Don't misserve your own needs. Speed it up a notch. Speed, grunt, no strength. The ladder starts to clatter with a fear of heights. Down, height, wire in a fire represent... Like, all red, you're only like... Like four, like six lines in, and there's already like fourteen things to talk about. I'm like, how did you get from there to here? And like, there's there's steps every way, and it's like everything chains together. It's very good representation of unproductive thinking. You want you want to talk about sixes and chaining? Yeah, yeah. So the the basic idea of chaining, and everyone is capable of this to some extent, and sixes are masters at chaining and it's the idea that like this one thing is going to lead to an inevitable terrible outcome and like the real life example that i have from a six that i know is they woke up and discovered that their tire was flat and by the end of the chain of thought Literally, like, it started with knowing that their tire was flat. The end of that chain was that they were not going to be able to get pregnant. <laughs> it's not my wife, but it is a person that I know. Like that, And I'm not saying this to make fun of this person. I did that to their face, and, like, that. that's not the point of this. The point is that this is really how sixes work. If my tire is flat, that means I'm going to be late for work and I'm going to lose my job and then this is going to happen 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 and then that means I'm not going to be able to have children. And all of that chains together. This is this is what we talk about when we talk about chaining, especially for sixes. It's like one thing leads to an inevitable, terrible outcome. Are there earthquakes occasionally on the planet Earth? Every once in a while, there are some earthquakes. Uh, in fact, earthquakes actually are essential for life being formed on the planet Earth. Did you know this? You know, you say that, <laughs> but there's a lot of damage. <laughs> there can be damage. They are they are essential for for life in the way that the the continents move and, and structures are created and but as was said it starts with a flat tire and then i can't get pregnant this song mm -hmm. it starts with an earthquake and by the chorus it's the end of the world I love the tag. It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. Yeah. We've talked a handful of times about security and forced security in some of the music here, but the move to mm -hmm. nine space here, it's like I've named it. There's nothing I can do about it, so I feel fine. It's all fine. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> or, taken another way, it's also like... I can't do anything about the end of the world, so I'm going to do something about the things that I can do. Like, like my flat tire means that I can't have children, so that means that instead of going to work, I'm just going to fold my laundry. Yeah. Because that's something I can do. And, like, the laundry still needs to be folded, right? 
I'm interested on this because that's essentially the the final chorus adds something and it's it's the background vocalist saying time I had some time alone time I had some time alone Mm -hmm. which sounds like withdrawal to me yeah yeah it's a it's a little bit of withdrawal and it's like part of the part of the unproductive thinking includes like well since I can't think about this properly I'll just do what I know already and like like sixes are detached from their from their thinking center, but they still take in all of that information. So they have really strong feelings about these things and they have action associated with those feelings, but they can't prioritize those actions and those feelings in ways that are appropriate. And so like, it's often the case that as we talked about with uh, a moment ago with uh, what's his name, Jeffrey Gaines, like it, like, find attaching yourself to something that will tell you the rules so that you don't have to think about the rules because if you have to think about them then you're you're gonna mess it up and how do you know which rules are the right ones and all of this stuff and instead i'm just gonna do what i already know what how to do yep and then the feelings are just part of that the extreme loyalty on one end but the extreme suspicion on the other that's how the second verse ends everything Mm -hmm. out there is a tournament a tournament a tournament of lies well let me just speak to your fears offer me solutions awful offer me alternatives and i decline you know why because it's the end of the world and and part of the uh the the tournament of lies like you can you can tell me all of these things but i'm still not going to believe them because my unproductive thinking isn't allowing me to see the truth correctly. You all are just competing in the disinformation Olympics over here. Not right. to be trusted. Yep. My tire is flat. Therefore. Yeah. There is healthy stuff to be found. I've, I actually found REM stuff a, a, a kind of dark. <laughs> I, I don't know that I have ever associated REM with di- with darkness. Did you listen to music in the nineties? It's all dark, man. I think it's the case. It was the timber. <laughs> oh sure, yeah. When yeah. you're competing with Alice in Chains, it's a little bit more explicit about their <laughs> heroin deep dive. Uh, sure, sure, that's fair. <laughs> REM, REM was on the up and up. They're standing. And now they're facing west. <laughs> Think about direction. I, I bet you haven't before. Um, losing My Religion is a gorgeous tune. Oh, I love Losing My Religion so much. And it's about detachment. Yeah. And it's about detachment from an authority. And that's and, and, and processing that, I think, is worth naming. I'm just big picture-wise, that's what's being set up.
it's as was said earlier i i feel like there's a lot of it's not self-talk but it's really this is what's like churning in the Mm -hmm. emotional experience of the six as they're perceiving the world out there yeah self-talk is really interesting for sixes because they're oftentimes they are they don't feel safe enough to share their their actual inner life but they have to talk about all the things anyway so like self-talk becomes this like we talked about chaining but we didn't talk about verbal processing much we did talk about verbal processing with twos when we started uh this whole series but there's there's a sense of like needing to say it out loud and sort of have it reverberate off of someone else and that's that's part of the the unproductive thinking and so his self-talk within this one is like it it's saying it all out loud because i don't know how to think my thoughts so i need to put it somewhere out there so that i can access it again and so like the self-talk is not necessarily like truly about the self it's just getting all of it out there the verbal processing image is all over this ones twos and sixes all verbally process you know sixes verbally process to get their head around things ones to get their intuitions around things and twos to get their emotions around things but here very much oh no i've said too much i haven't said enough even even a mistrust of self and their ver- yep. verbal processing taking yep. place there and and if you like like how can you possibly have both of those things at the same time i haven't said enough and i have and i've said too much right and if if you've spent any time with the sixes, they're like, oh yeah, I do that every day. The outro of the chorus, moving to the head. I thought I heard you laughing. I thought I heard you sing. I thought I, I think I thought I saw you try. All talking about their intelligence center. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I love, I think I thought I saw you try. Yeah. Like, doesn't trust his thinking. Unsure of my own thoughts. Yep. And the second chorus doubles down on that, and here it is, but that was just a dream. That was just a dream. That was just I don't know that we talked about dreams in any of the other types. It's going to be all over these two artists and on the last artist that we look at. Yeah. Somehow the dreaming is an image of I don't trust the mental experience that I'm having. Right. I'm sure many people can relate to this, but like I, I've had a few instances where like my my partner woke up and I got in trouble for something that they <laughs> dreamed about. <laughs> You know, and then like the separation happens and like like time goes by and, and the person realizes that, like all of their feelings are attached to something that's not real. And like that that distance from the like being OK with not being upset about it to like actually like fully in it, believing that this dream happened like there's there's such sixes have such a hard time with knowing what to trust in their own heart and mind and so that space like we laugh about it but it's still like she's still fully 
feels those feelings and has the thoughts associated with that dream. And some of them have been like so real to her that she's not sure if it actually happened or not. And then like we all have that like that thing where you wake up and the dream goes away and then you might remember it two weeks later. Like remembering dreams is so interesting. And with sixes, they're not sure if if they're remembering something that actually happened or if they're remembering a dream because they don't trust themselves and now they don't trust the feelings that they had about that dream. I suppose special emphasis should be put on the fact that validating and giving permission for sixes to be in that space and not judging them ends up being incredibly important. And yep, you can absolutely. hear it in my tone, and I don't mean it this way, of 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 kind of snickering at that and that's not helpful it's it's fine once you get past it with them you have to have a relationship with them like like my my partner and i can laugh about a lot of these things but we have to do it after it's happened right i can't laugh about it when she tells me because then it will like make the thing go deeper but then two weeks later, once she's like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm well away. From, like the person that, that shared the story with me about the, the flat tire yeah. and not being able to have children, we can laugh about that now. Right. But the day that it happened, it was a very serious event. Yeah. Yeah. And we had to deal with how serious it was. I saw a, essentially a TikTok video of a gentleman who was saying, I need to confess to everybody Uh, that I was kissing Sally next door and that this was in my wife's dream last night and I want to deeply apologize (laughs) for the and and that was how they were laughing about it after the fact but in the moment she woke up kicked him and (laughs) and it affected their whole day yep (laughs) yeah Yeah. by the way that probably happens not only in the the world of sixes yeah that happens to lots of people that happens I want to jump forward my favorite chart in the REM catalog is the one I love. I, I think this is a total stress move, but it's a weapon. It's a, again a weaponizing in my mind of, and this time it's weaponizing separation and the fear of separation that sixes can feel. Yeah, I just love the hell out of this one. This one goes out to the one I love. This one goes out to the one I've left. A simple prop to occupy my time. This one goes out to the one I love. Fire! Fire! You know what this person was? They were a simple prop to occupy my time, which feels like the sort of insult a three would give in terms of, mm. you know what your status was? You're, you were just a crutch there for Yes, you were nothing You to were me. nothing. Yeah. You were a function, a single function tool. But the chorus being, I want your attention as boldly as possible, just fire fire yeah. <laughs> still yeah. it's dismissal it's separation it's it's uh seeking to demean their status and still this person is super wounded and wants them to see them in that space 
Yeah. Uh, I have a different perspective on this song. Ah, uh, do it. I looked up a little bit about this one um, because I found it really interesting and like how do how do we pitch this as a sixth song? And uh, he, uh, Michael Stipe said, has said that this song is about um, the the dangers, like the the badness of using people. Oh, and. Uh, uh, of like like being in relationships in order to use people and then spitting them out sure and i think from a six writing this kind of song i could easily see them like villainizing that behavior to such an intense degree that he doesn't have much to actually say about it Right, right. And and paints the narrator, if if that's what this song is about, it paints the narrator as this incredibly unfeeling user. This one goes out to the one I love, the one I've left behind. I don't actually care about that person. I've just said that I love them and then left them behind. I use them as a prop to occupy my time. This one goes out to all the ones that I love by the way, I don't actually love you. And and it feels like like as a six writing that kind of song, this is there's there's no loyalty involved in this. There's no truth. There's like like using using a six like this is a terrible terrible thing that you can do to the six. Hmm. Showing them that you don't actually care about them and you have no loyalty to them when they have served you in the ways that that sixes can serve the people that they love is pure destruction for a six. Well, I suppose you could jump to the chorus then in terms of fire being an emotional response. Yes. And yes. like this is the coping yeah. style coming out for the six yeah. of just yeah. it's not anger in this in the eight style. But this is right. betrayal. It is yeah, and, and an unthinking yeah, anger. Yeah, that's exactly it. There's there's yeah. no content here at all. Right. It's just fire. Yeah, it's just rage. The it gets paired with the phrase. The only other lyric in the song is she's coming down on her own now. And that this the image of separation, I suppose my my reading was the weaponization of that that like this, mm-hmm. and it could be self talk, but she's coming down on her own now. Like nobody cares mm-hmm. about you. Yeah, sort of posture is what I see there. Agreed. End with everybody hurts. This this one is a little bit more positive. This is one of my favorite music videos of all time. Oh, I've, I've I don't know that I can. It's Tell great. You. It's it's essentially pointless. Like there's a huge traffic jam in a like like multi level uh, giant highway system, and then Michael Stipe is singing it and gets everyone to get out of their cars nah. and walk away. That's it. <laughs> That's the whole video. There's people walking away from their cars in a traffic jam. It feels a lot like Jeffrey Gaines chorus to me here in terms of there's it, you, it could be the case that he's singing this over somebody again as I was saying earlier because he's reading what he needs into the things yes. that he's saying Agreed. this also could yep. be all self-talk as well 
Anything else we're saying about that verse chorus combination? I I really like the the thinking about Michael's type as a six and thinking of this as a six-ish song. I really like the angle that like I have watched my six partner say things that are comforting and good and true and and wise and valuable to other people that they cannot receive themselves. Like that, that she cannot hear for herself. Right. I, I have, I've seen her be like incredibly comforting and kind when other people are going through struggles and then like really, really struggle and resist receiving the exact same kind of kindness and wisdom and compassion and, and, and care that other people offer to the inside. And and the thing that he's saying in this song is everybody hurts, not I also hurt. Right. Yep. And so like like he's giving really good, really wise, really kind, compassionate. Everyone goes through this. He's not identifying himself in that everyone. And I like I can imagine this narrator saying oh like when if if the tables were flipped if he needed to hear this if he was the one who was hurting and lonely and all of that stuff he'd be like i i don't i don't deserve to be included in everyone because i screwed something up this is about me being deserving to feel this way right whereas the person the narrator is saying everybody goes through this right giving yeah giving reassurance to somebody who's self-doubting in, yeah. in that space. Yep. Yep. The beginning of the next two verses both the opening lines are interesting in that the first is sometimes everything is wrong. Sometimes everything is wrong. See our conversation on end of the world as we know it. Right. And the next one is take comfort in your friends, which there the solutions are really strong on this front mm-hmm. in terms of mm-hmm. you need to attach to sources of stability. Yep. And include yourself in an us. Yes.
the acknowledgement that the person is feeling isolated. Yeah. And just the constant reassurance that you're not you're not actually as alone as you feel. Yeah. Just listen to this song. Clearly I'm I'm yep. seeing you and so you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Bang. All right. So TJ, my favorite discovery of of all the typing discoveries. I thought it was gonna be Paul McCartney as a one, but that was last time. Sure. This time yeah. it is definitely James Hetfield as a six. And if you don't know James Hetfield, you have heard his voice before. <laughs> it is arguably the best rock voice ever. And one of the most extensive catalogs yes. of rock voices. Like they just have so much music. There's so many albums. Titans. James Hetfield is one of these frontmen, lyric writers, who I would have just guessed off the top of my head. I would have said, this is an aggressive person. Sure. It's yeah. very likely either an eight or a three, perhaps. Maybe mm-hmm. has some seven there. I'm just shooting from the hip. Yeah. I have done no work. When I started reading down these lyrics, I was like, he is that person who is mm-hmm. elevating a very masculine band. By the way, mm-hmm. who who's James Hetfield front, front for? He fronts the incredible and incredibly long-living Metallica. If you have Metallica in mind, if you have a Metallica show in mind, it's like it's testosterone, you know, <laughs> on yeah. on Nitro. It's like we're gonna and and just to help set this stage, I couldn't name a Metallica <laughs> song. I've never seen them. I only own music because I inherited it from someone else. Metallica is not a band that I ever go to. It's a terrible for your soul. That's right. <laughs> the, when, when wanting to get away and, and enjoy your spaces of peace and calm, Metallica isn't your go-to? No. No, no, no. No, it's just... no, 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 no. no. I lifted for way too long today and just binged. Metallica the whole way through. Love the hell out of it. Um, it, It's one of those things, I I don't know how else to especially mark this, that in, in, it's not just America, it's, I imagine, many cultures, when the idea of masculinity comes up, it, those assertive, aggressive types Mm -hmm. are front of mind. Right. And this is, like, the person, like, I might associate most with that kind of posture and countenance in the man's a six. Yeah, likely. I'm, we're typing people, but could be. Start starting with one of the, the 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 more laid back charts. This is nothing else matters off the fantastic black album. So close, no This is him writing in a actually much more mature space. Mm -hmm. Like the Black Album is like their fifth or sixth 
release. He's he has entered adulthood. You know, yeah. they are a very different band when they're young. Um, yeah. This is um, and it's mature in its composition. A lot of his songs are not right. pulled back like this. Right. Forever trusting who we are and nothing else matters. You'll notice it's communal, and it's and obviously it is about the inner life, the meditations that sixes often have of what what's most important now for me to shore all this stuff up. Yeah. Never open myself this way. Life is ours. We live it our way. All these words I don't just say and nothing else matters. This is something that we haven't seen in the sixes, but we know that this is there with the sixes is that sixes do not naturally trust other people. And the image right. of not opening yourself up is an important one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because it's, there are a lot of types who do not share much about themselves, but everyone does it for a very different reason. And sixes do it because A, they don't trust themselves. B, they don't trust you. C, they don't trust their feelings, thoughts, whatever are appropriate. D, they don't trust that they'll be safe if they share it. Like, like vulnerability in this way carries so much danger. And they, they they really struggle with letting themselves be vulnerable. We're going to see his fear. His fear is all over his songs, and it's going to be of that sort. The last line, just to put special emphasis on it, is... Again, that's a very head-centric way of coming to the world in relationships. Yeah. And it's, again, some self-talk of the things I know are trustworthy. Mm -hmm. Trust who you are. That's Nothing else matters. Right. And that's the meditation. The thing that really like did it for me with this song was uh, reading about the history of this song and ah. they were uh, they were touring and he was uh, like he was just writing music for himself and this song he wrote because he was really bummed out about the stress of touring okay and he wrote this song for himself and he had no intention for it to ever be publicly performed and he wasn't even going to share it with the rest of the band. Right. And then obviously he did. And like like one of the things that he was saying about it was that like the the band makes songs about things that heavy metal songs are about. This song is the band's first real foray into actual emotion and vulnerability. And yeah. it is now yeah one of the most popular songs and they play it at almost every show. Right. Because this hit. And so thinking about that, like zooming back a little bit, sixes who don't trust themselves find themselves in places of extreme, uh, massive capability when they actually do it. And so, like, he was not planning on this song being shared with anyone. And then things happened, and now it's one of the band's most popular songs. Yep. He did not trust his own music to be something that his fans wanted to listen to. <laughs> yeah. 
and then it got shared, and they play it at almost every single show. This song is their DNA now. Yeah. Uh, like, people judge everything they write now based on this album. Right. And a song like this. Yeah. Be- and and this is one of the first times that they that they did anything this vulnerable. Yeah. Trust, trusting that they're... There, there's a great image of trust. Yeah, I, I want to put a special emphasis on emotional vulnerability mm-hmm. because almost their entire catalog is about not wanting to be trapped. Yeah, and that's a maybe a physical vulnerability or the things out there might get me. So, mm-hmm. I th- I feel like he he pushes really hard into seven, and the only reason I wouldn't type him as a seven is because there's absolutely no positive spin, right, on anything that he does, right. But there is there is an absolute awareness of being trapped. So, Master of Puppets mm-hmm. is about being trapped. You're a puppet for whom the bell tolls. Popular song again. Death is coming for you, kind of image. Even recent stuff like Moth to a Flame, if you read the lyrics, is going to have that image. Two of the more famous songs for them, again, are going to have this I Don't Want to Be Trapped and It's Unforgiven, which is also Black Album and One. Both of them have just heavy images of fearing being in a spot where someone is, is or like sickness or circumstance or a person is dominating you. Um, sometimes it's the rules. With Unforgiven, it's very much like there's there's very negative views of compliance here. So let me read these down. New blood joins this earth and quickly he's subdued. Through constant paint disgrace, the young boy learns their rules. With time, the child draws in this whipping boy done wrong, deprived of all his thoughts. The young man struggles on and on. He's known a vow to his own. His will will take away. You are handed these rules you are deprived of thought these are all f- in my mind as i read this down to myself it's it's one it's it's all a very fearfully cast situation mm-hmm. and the fear that is being painted is of like having some heavy overseer who's 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 very you know toxic abusive mm-hmm. well and i would go even a little bit further, and I, I'm not sure that we've really discussed this ever from this particular angle, but there's, to me, a lot of his lyrics and and themes, it's not just being trapped, it's being a cog in the machine. Yeah. It's being faceless, nameless, powerless, part of the system, and and even this, like the the quickly he's subdued uh, through pain and disgrace. Yeah, ov- obviously those are bad things. The boy learns the rules, and like there there's a sense of not having enough worth, not having enough power, not having enough connection. Yeah, it's not just a deplorable overseer that is is sort of like treating this person 
this way, but it's it's the fact that they are disappearing into the system that they're a part of. Right. And and he has no name, value, worth, etc. And I think that comes from a really sickish place. Like the the that fear of of being not only not being enough, but like being so low that you're you're valueless. Now it's my chance to add biography. Mm-hmm. His mother dies when he's very young, and uh-huh. the attachment for sixes severed. And so, what do you have? And the I, b- I believe that they had they had a very religious um, family that apparently sure. he didn't connect to to that tradition. And perhaps sees it so he's, in a negative fashion, right? And and stuck in this place where he's he's attached to this system that doesn't see him as worthwhile. Yeah, yeah. And there's other songs about how the God who failed and and the rest. Yeah. But you can see it in the style of music. It's the same with like a porcupine that puts its quills out. Yeah. In order to say, "Don't mess with me," mm-hmm. that is what the music is. You know, it yeah. is, I'm, I'm going to unleash the energy I have in such a way that anyone who wants to come close knows this is not a space for you. Right. But it's coming as you're, you know, I think as you're saying, it's, it's not coming out of an eight-ish space. Right. It's coming out of a six-ish space of, I don't trust you. I've known a lot of sixes who can really come out swinging yeah like there's a recklessness within the um within that counterphobic side of them that that can just like i'm gonna burn everything down before i let someone else yeah put me under their thumb and it's not about control it's about fear it's about being afraid of not being capable of standing on their own yeah there it is different spin on this kind of image and their two most popular songs are both about dreams in some sense Mm -hmm. different spin on this image with we'll start with one uh one is off of justice for all it this is about a man who's been blown up in vietnam and and has lost his sight and his hearing and as such is is kind of cocooned in a in a way that you know they they can't get information from the world out there and yeah. so, and and so, this is a. And apparently, they saw like a movie that was about this, and it just terrified Hatfield. And God, but that's a song. Sure. But notice the cognitive side of this, and notice again the dream imagery. into the chorus of just wanting to wake up yeah so i want to hold this in contrast to the uh springsteen five story about a someone coming back from vietnam sure and springsteen i think wants to use his story to showcase a more universal image uh his story is about the system through the eyes of uh, by highlighting one person yeah 
Whereas this story is so much more about one person's experience. Mm -hmm. And like, I think this is also a good, like we talked about self-talk with sixes. We brought up self-talk with sixes and, and like how it's this really interesting sort of almost dichotomy of like, like not being able to properly see the self to actually talk about the self. And, and there's um, within this, like, like this is so focused on the inner life of someone experiencing these things, but it's also only the bad stuff. Yeah. That's it. Which comes back to that like six fear just to put special emphasis, there's a, maybe there's a difference between losing your legs and losing your, your hearing, your sight, and your ability to speak makes yeah. it such that you are, I mean, that's a hellish condition. where sure. And that's yeah. how the bridge, the outro, says something like darkness imprisoning me. Yep. Yeah, I can't live, I, I can't die, I'm trapped in myself, body is my holding cell. <laughs> you yes, know? you're right. Taking my speech, taking my hearing, taking my arms, taking my legs, taking my soul. The last line is, left me with life in hell. Yeah. Yeah. The the image, again, as as you're you're talking, the, the image that's hitting me is just how much energy is behind Mm hmm these lyrics like it's the it's there's a processing of the fears but then it just erupts into that energy yeah um last song and we'll close here is enter sandman intro of the song is a masterpiece like mozart would be really would say that's that's a good intro Yeah, he might. Yeah. <laughs> There's some others that were really snobbish, but Mozart, Mozart. was not snobbish. Mozart the Seven would, I think, dig this too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wow. There's a lot of um, the structures of Metallica song, apparently very classical in orientation. When you when you hear the way that they do, especially like if you look at classical the guitar and some of the, the patterns that Metallica uses, they're very similar in nature. Anyway, yeah. Not for me. I didn't say that. Director of the San Francisco Symphony Orchestra. That's not my point in that. (laughs) (laughs) This is very communal. Just right up front. Yep. And don't forget everyone. I suppose just on the superficial reading here, you were going to bed and then all of a sudden yep. this irrational fear materializes mm-hmm. in your subconscious and yep. this might be a possibility. Right. And this is the one I'm going to think about. Yes. Yeah. In the world of possible dreams that you might have, or which also includes the possibility that you won't have any dreams, the thing that I'm going to focus on is the worst possible option. Notice this this second verse is all six. I'll just read it because it's hard to understand sometimes. Something's wrong, shut the lights, heavy thoughts tonight, and they aren't of Snow White. 
dreams of war, dreams of liars, dreams of dragon's fire, and of things that will bite. similar in kind to the REM song. It's there's mental spending and chaining and, and mm-hmm. all the things that might end up getting yeah. you when you're not awake. Yeah. What do you do when you are in that space of vulnerability? You might entrust yourself to a power who could protect you in that space. And I'm going to actually take that a little bit farther and say you might entrust yourself to a prayer that you learned when you were a child because these magic words might have power. It's very communal because there's, there are two voices here. Mm Mm-hmm. And one is of a kid. Hepfield isn't buying it. He he's not bought into the power of prayer. Yeah. He's looking for magic words that like did i follow the rules did i say the right thing like it, it's not about like giving your heart and 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 mind over to communion with the lord <laughs> he's saying the magic words to keep him safe reality is something is under your bed don't don't or it might be don't don't worry about that noise you heard it's just the beast under your bed, in your closet, in your head. That's a great place to land here for sixes. Mm-hmm. Of where is where is the battle actually being done? And he's naming it. Yeah, I kind of said this with. There is a heavy seven element to to him, both in terms of feeling trapped, but also the Peter Pan image is all over this. Take my hand, mm-hmm. we're off to Never Never Land, and I, Peter Pan yeah. is the quintessential kind of image of the seven, of escaping the dangers. Um, mm-hmm. but I don't, I don't think but it's optimistic. It here. also, yeah, I think it, it like bringing up never, Neverland invokes also that like there are like for the rest of us, when we think about never, Neverland, we think about flying and never growing old and, and like magic fairies and adventures and all of this stuff uh, that's associated with Peter Pan. Yeah. But this song is not about happy things. So like he is looking at the world of possibilities. We could be going off to Never Never Land, but also be afraid because it might be terrible. There is never a think happy thoughts image that's entered here. Because that possibility is on the horizon, but that's not the one I'm worried about. I'm worried about these other possibilities that are bad. Love this as a six song. Uh, yeah. Last thoughts on uh, fives and sixes and in their inner lives here. I have no concluding thoughts. I just want to listen to Metallica <laughs> now. <laughs> I I have my job has been successful. <laughs> if, if, if you, if dear listener, if you do the Metallica binge, then uh, 
then this podcast was worth it. Yeah. And you may not like heavy metal, but I think Metallica is actually a really good, like, like I forget how good some of this music is. Because I just, I'm not part of the heavy metal thing. It's like, I love riding a motorcycle, but I'm not a biker. I I really, really like some heavy metal music, but I'm definitely not a metalhead. So. You gotta be in the gotta be in the mood for it, right? If it is the case, dear listener or TJ, if you find me on the Spotify, I got a I got a, a playlist called Metallica Live and Loud, which may also mm. be searchable. But uh, lots yeah. of their live stuff is. I'm, I'm a big live music fan, but just just tremendous. But stuff they do with the San Francisco philharmonic and uh some of their stuff they've they've done a handful of uh charts that are acoustic it, it, really great stuff anyway you can see yeah. the musicianship at least yeah and i think another great example of like like someone enters the metal field there it it's often the case that the people who are in the metal scene and like making metal music they're making eight ish music right that's like like they the the goal is to be loud and big and and yell and talk about terrible and dark things and here's a group that is so much more than that and they didn't know that until it was there right. out in the world right they did not know that that first song that we talked about that I've already nothing else matters they did not know that that song could possibly be successful from a metal band because that's not what metal is about. And then they did it and it worked. And that is excellent sixishness. Mm. It's a good place to land. You know what else is amazing that you can do online is is giving stars to fantastic podcasts that you've invested two hours in. That's it's, true. You could even do that while you're listening to Metallica <laughs> on Spotify. On, well, it's just, it's so easy. Uh, stars and reviews, always appreciated. Again, uh, we're going to be doing Zoom events in 2003 in our uh, annual conference in February in Colorado. Both of those you can find on our website at aroundthecircle.org. Just click on events. Intro music's by The Collection. Jazz here is by Brian Claxton, or I might just do a Metallica outro. That might be more appropriate here and as always if, if you if you love a five or a six man share this sucker uh, they want they want some more of that in their life so I got you got anything else I got nothing man <laughs> he's TJ Wilson he's officially awesome I'm Jeff Cook and who you want just as an interesting We got through two. I was real pleased with how quickly we got through the fives. I was like, there's no chance we're getting through the fives in two hours. <laughs> <laughs>